Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Isaac, uh, and I'm a millennial. So, uh, true to form, I sat down the other day uh, with some organic uh, avocado on toast, a takeaway Starbucks, my AirPods in, my emotional support water bottle, and I, uh, I got my phone out, I uh, took a quick selfie, and I settled down to do some work. Naturally, uh, the workday had to start uh, with 30 minutes uh, scrolling through Instagram. Uh, this included uh, many fitness posts uh, about how if I ran just slightly slower or, or slightly faster, or if I did my run slightly earlier or, or slightly later, or I ran slightly more uh, or slightly less, or went to bed at 7pm uh, every evening, I'd end up well on my way to looking like some sort of Greek hero. And naturally, I take all of that advice on board. I keep scrolling. And as I keep scrolling, I see many pictures of a Labrador or Labradors, mostly uh, either much better behaved than my own or, or much worse behaved than my own, but all very cute, but not a pat on my own Black Lab Poro. But again, there's training advice, there's food tips and more, all thoroughly incompatible with each other, but I do try to take it all on board. I scroll more and I come across a few Land Rover Defender pictures, basically encouraging me uh, to sell my wee Renault Clio I've had since I passed my test in exchange for maybe a weekend of off-roading in a Defender. Uh, and I take it on board, but fortunately, uh, Ruth ensures I go, don't go through with that idea. I see a post from 24-7 prayer. I give it a quick read and I decide I need to pray more. And so I decide I'll start tomorrow. Before I know it, I'm on the next post about the Super Bowl halftime show, or the next one advertising my favorite podcast, or the next one about all the clothes that would go so well with a Greek hero look, all my fast, slow, long, short, early morning, late evening exercise will surely achieve. And that's basically the carousel of all the posts I see on Instagram with every so often the odd post from a friend coming along. And that's before I've started on all the stories and reels. And all of that is based on who I follow. And like it or not, to some degree, I, and I think probably us all, we all make life choices based on who we follow. Who I follow influences what I see, what's advertised to me, what I prioritize, what I allow to permeate my being, often from the moment I wake up to the moment I close my eyes. So, who do you follow? This week, we're continuing on from Sarah's talk last week uh, as we think about the first part of this verse from Matthew 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you... Uh, I will send you out to fish for people. Come, follow me. These are the words we're going to be focusing on here uh, this morning. So in Sarah's talk last week, we heard how being a disciple uh, means being a follower or a learner-doer, a student 
or maybe even more appropriately, an apprentice. And there were two key points that were made. Firstly, we need to repent and believe in Jesus. Is there anywhere that we need to turn away from and turn towards Jesus? Time and time again, we need to turn away from our idols and we need to live in a condition of repentance and belief. We need to repent and believe. Then the second key point Sarah spoke about was we need to surrender and follow. We need to not only follow Jesus as Saviour, but also as Lord. We need to hold our hands up and surrender and say, you're in charge. We give ourselves to you. It's our love response to his love when we're fleeing him. The fact that he came to love us. We need to lay down our control and say, it's all yours, Lord. As Matthew 16 says, we need to deny ourselves and we need to follow him. We need to take up our cross and follow him. There's nothing worth more than our soul. What good is it to gain the whole world but lose our soul? It's hard putting Jesus first. We all like control, but we can't control everything. And when things aren't going well, or when they are going well, we need to surrender and trust him. And this week, we're going to be following on from these key points from Sarah to think a bit more into what it means when Jesus says, come, follow me. And we're going to break this down into two steps. Firstly, how do we follow abide in Christ? And secondly, how will we change if we follow abide in Christ? So, following Sarah's talk, uh, the disciple has repented and believed, and the disciple has surrendered their life uh, to Jesus. In other words, the disciples gotten out their phone, they've opened Instagram, they've stopped following everything that is unhelpful and distracting, and they've given Jesus a follow. But not only that, they've also stopped posting photos that suggest their own life is perfect and that big themselves up, and instead they deny themselves, they surrender to him. When they happen to see that Ferrari parked outside Ladycroft, they decide, let's not pose next to it before posting the caption, hashtag goals, hashtag hard work, hashtag blessed. They repent, they believe, they surrender, and they follow. But following doesn't just mean clicking a button somewhere and all's dandy. It's much more than that. In John 15, 9, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So as we follow him, we need to abide in his love. We need to remain in his love. It's not a one-off thing. It's continuous. So what is this love we're called to abide within as we follow Jesus? If we look later in John 15, Jesus says, My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus showed us his love by dying for us, by laying down his life for us, showing that greatest love on the cross as he was killed, despite having done nothing wrong. And this kind of love, this love, is the love we are called to abide within. Sinclair Ferguson wrote, we must never allow ourselves to drift from daily 
daily contemplation of the cross as the irrefutable demonstration of love, or from dependence on the Spirit who sheds it in our heart, abroad in our hearts. So how do we do this? How do we abide within it? How do we allow it to be part of our daily life? Hannah Steele, uh, director of St. Melitus in London, says this, when someone becomes a disciple today, they are already a disciple. Just a disciple of other things, whether that is the culture of consumerism or individualism. And in his book, uh, The Radical Disciple, John Stott says that some key secular trends that really threaten the church and Christians within the church, disciples within the church, are pluralism, materialism, ethical relativism, and narcissism. I don't want to uh, labor the analogy too much, but with Instagram or social media, what do so many of us do? We wake up, pick up our phone, and we start scrolling through social media. We open our phone to look something up, and before we know it, uh, we're scrolling social media, whether or not it's what we set out to do. We're attuned to our phone's vibrations, so as soon as it goes off, we're itching to find out what happened, and we can't rest until we've got our phone out to check. We want to buy that thing or try that thing because we saw it on social media. We want to look like the, that Instagram model, so we work at it. We leave our phone behind by accident when we go to the shops, and it leaves us feeling alone and vulnerable. So if this is one of the ways being disciples of consumerism, individualism, or any other ism manifests itself, how might we flip it? What if Jesus took the place of this? We'd wake up and we'd spend time with Jesus, read our Bible, pray. We just randomly decide in the middle of the day, today to our day-to-day activities, that we want to pray, that we want to speak with Jesus. We'd become so attuned to his voice, so as soon as we hear him speak, we can't wait to stop and listen, allowing our hearts and minds to be reshaped. We want to spend money or try things because he's shown us why they're right for us and for those around us. We want to look more like him, so we work at it. When we go some time without him, without spending time with him, we realize it makes us feel alone and vulnerable, and we can't wait to get back to him. I think this is just a taste of what it would mean for us to do what Sinclair Ferguson says and contemplate him daily, to follow him, to abide in him. But there is a limitation of this uh, social media follower analogy. Much as I might like to meet uh, many of the people I follow on social media, I'm sure most of them aren't too bothered uh, to meet me. They're happy to influence my life choices uh, uh, from afar, rake in the ad revenue, but actually that's where it ends. The runners I follow, well, they give me running tips, which are great, but they're not going to come and knock on my door at six o'clock to make sure I'm actually up and ready to run before running alongside me 
and giving me hints and tips on how to correct my form. And to be honest, without that, I've got basically no chance. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain, abide in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we remain, if we abide in Jesus, it's not one way. He abides with us too. Just like branches are part of the vine, we need to be part of the vine and allow the vine to feed us as branches in order to do, well, anything. William Temple told a story uh, that I think is helpful in understanding this here. He says, It is no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. And it's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it. I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like his. So as we give Jesus the follow, he isn't staying far away, just smiling at all that ad revenue coming in. He's saying, great, I'll come over for dinner. Let's get to know each other. You want to follow me? You want to abide with me? I want to abide with you too. In Revelation 3.20, which I'm sure we've all heard multiple times before, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He wants to come over and eat with you. He wants to come and do life with you. He cares about you. And as he does that, as he comes and abides with you, you will produce fruit. And abiding in him, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So, next slide. What will it mean if we follow him? What will it mean for us if we follow him? As I said, Sinclair Ferguson wrote, we must never allow ourselves to drift from daily contemplation of the cross as the irrefutable demonstration of love or from dependence on the spirit who sheds it abroad in our hearts. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, building on this theme of uh, contemplation, it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's as we follow him, as we abide in him and he in us, as we contemplate him across our life, it's in this that we become more like him. So let's return to the picture of the vine told by Jesus. In John 15 it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we've already spoken about abiding in the vine, following Jesus, meaning we abide with him and he with us. But that's not where it stops. Even good branches need pruning to ensure any bits of dead wood don't become harbors of disease uh, and decay. Uh, One commentator notes that an untrimmed vine will develop long, rambling branches that produce little fruit because most of the strength of the vine is given to growing wood. The vine grower is concerned that the vine be healthy and productive. Now, our purpose as branches on the vine, who is Jesus, as followers of Jesus, our purpose is to produce fruit. Not just grow long, sprawling, unfruitful branches that serve no useful purpose to the vine. In fact, maybe leech stuff away from the vine. And that means the father, the gardener, will prune us. Now, this might be painful. For example, we might have been uh, reaching out, we might have been growing our branches, growing that wood to reach out for more money, for unhealthy relationships, frivolous living, self-gratification, or consumerism, individualism, or any other ism. But they won't produce fruit. And in fact, they'll impact on the rest of the vine. And so, the Father prunes us. The Father cuts those things away from us. Stops our lustful, consumerist, and individualistic thoughts from developing into anything more. So let's use the running analogy again. It's like that runner uh, I follow coming to my house, knocking at the door before heading out to run with me, watching us from every direction, correcting bad technique, which if we continued in that bad technique, that bad form, it would lead to imbalance, it would lead to hip issues or knee issues or more. In In essence, they're pruning our form to ensure we produce more fruit, and not develop joy-sucking habits that cause even more problems down the road. But if I ignore them, they might ultimately say, no more, you're not following me. If we want to continue to abide in him, we need to be obedient to God's word. Again, Sinclair Ferguson says, abiding in Christ means allowing his words to fill our minds, direct our wills, and transform our affections. As we follow, as we abide in Christ, as he comes and eats with us, abides with us, as his spirit fills us, we need to fill our minds, morning, afternoon, evening, and more, with him. But it doesn't stop there. We then need to allow him to direct us, to correct us, to transform us. But that can be painful. Now, I don't really enjoy, most of us, I'm sure most of us, but I know I uh, don't really enjoy being told I'm wrong or if that I've made a mistake. And when I've deliberately or willingly be found doing something wrong, I can become a bit defensive, 
like a trivial example, but I know I wasn't meant to buy that bit of tech as it wasn't in our budget. But when Ruth sees it, I just become defensive. It takes a while for me to accept that, yes, I am wrong, or at least admit outwardly that I'm wrong and say sorry. And it's then super annoying and frustrating when two weeks later I find something else I want, but I now know I really can't buy it because of all the conversations I've had with Ruth. It hurts, but I know it's a better way forward for life. To remain in Christ's love, to abide, follow him, we are to obey what he says. And as we do this, the Father cuts away those parts of us that aren't of Christ but of decay and disease and fruitlessness. And so, all this done so we can live up to our potential in Christ so much more. So we can become more Christ-like and produce even more fruit. And as we become more Christ-like, as we allow him and his spirit in completely, we will know that we can ask what we desire, knowing it shall be done for us. Now we're going to be thinking a bit more about the next step of transformation over the next couple of weeks, the next stage in the verse that we're looking at. But as we follow, as we abide in Christ, by allowing him into our whole life, contemplating his sacrifice daily, spending time in his words, inviting his spirit in to lead us into ever-increasing Christ-likeness. This means there's an exchange. We exchange anything else we might follow for Jesus. We wake up. We spend time with Jesus. We read our Bible. We pray. We just randomly decide to pray in the middle of our day-to-day activities. We become attuned to his voice. So as soon as we hear him speak, we can't wait to listen and allow him to shape and mold our hearts and minds. We want to spend money or try things because he's shown us that it's the right thing for us to do, for us and for those around us, for his church. We want to look more like him So we want to put the effort in to work at it, to do that, to become more Christ-like. And when we go some time without him, without spending time with him, we realize it makes us feel alone. We realize it makes us feel vulnerable. And we can't wait to get back to him. But not only this, we then obey all he tells us. We allow him to correct our form. We allow him to prune any decay or disease that could lead to death and rather shape us and lead us in the direction of fruitfulness. This is being a disciple of Jesus. We turn from following others and we stop being a sheeple. We stop thinking about ourselves and we follow Jesus. We put Jesus first. We spend our time contemplating Jesus, eating with him, talking with him, taking him in, in Jesus' time. And we obey him. We listen to his advice. We let his spirit 
lead us and make our path straight, leading to increasing fruitfulness across our life and including the fruit that will last of more disciples. We live a life that is spirit-led. And as we do this, we'll become more Christ-like and open ourselves up to transformation as our minds, wills, and affections become aligned with those of Christ. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hearing a little more on what this transformation specifically might look like. I'm going to invite the band uh, back up now. And why don't we stand as the band makes their way back up? In the 8.45 uh, this morning, uh, we, we sang uh, the hymn, Trust and Obey. And I'm just going to read the first verse in the chorus, which goes, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And we can only do that if we open ourselves up to the Spirit's leading. We say, God, come, fill us. We want you with us here today. We want you to help us to turn from following others. We want you to help us put you first. We want you to help us to spend our time contemplating you throughout our days. We want you to help us to obey you. We want you to prune us. Help us let go and let you prune us. So let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us here now. Fill us afresh. We want to be your disciples. We want to grow to be more like you. We pray we, you help us to turn away from following others and instead turn to you put you first we pray you help us to spend our time contemplating you contemplating Jesus the love of Jesus eating with you talking with you spending time with you we pray it doesn't stop there we pray that as we follow you we obey we trust and obey we listen to your advice we allow you to prune us we allow you to lead us even when it hurts we want to live lives that are spirit led we want to become more Christ-like, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Feel us here now. Spirit, come. So I'm going to invite the ministry team forward now. And if you're someone who really, really just wants that Holy Spirit to come and fill you, the Holy Spirit to come and fill you again and just help you to contemplate. If you struggle, I know I struggle. I, I really do with prayer. Like, I wake up in the morning and my first thought isn't to pray. My first thought is, what have I, what have I got on? Or what's going on my, what are the notifications on my phone? What's going on in the world? Maybe throughout the day, you just need some help. You just want the Holy Spirit to help you to focus on him, to put him first, to put Jesus first, to contemplate who Jesus is. If that's you, I encourage you to come forward for prayer. Or maybe it's that point that you want to be able to trust and obey. You struggle to let go. You struggle to let go and say, oh, God, God, take the will. God, Cut this stuff away from me. I want to become more like you. And if that's you, I'd encourage you also to come forward for prayer. There'll be prayers praying for you um, and the ministry team would love to spend time praying for you in there as you, as you become more like Christ. 
As you pray, Holy Spirit, come, make me more like Jesus. So, ministry team, if you could come forward now, and as the band starts playing, do if you'd like prayer, I really encourage you to come forward and ask for prayer that you become more like Christ, that you can turn from following others, that you follow Jesus, put him first, that Jesus comes and eats with you and you want to invite him in, and you're able to listen to his advice and allow him to prune you and make you more like him. Amen.